All right, I'd like to uh, invite up Kenny Johnson and Rod Bates here uh, to come and share with us a little bit. So welcome, guys. And, uh, oops, uh, Kenny's going to talk, or excuse me, Kenny, you just uh, had a, a birthday recently. Yeah, I turned 16 last, well, like this week's Friday. On Friday, like two yeah. days ago? Yeah. Congratulations, Thank Kenny, you. yeah. And uh, I, I've invited them to talk about teammates. You know what teammates is, the, the mentoring program. And uh, Kenny has uh, been in teammates, and, and Rod has as well, and so from a different viewpoint. But uh, anyway, can you tell us about how long you've been doing it and what it's like to, you've um, got a, you have a teammate, right? Teammate mentor? Yeah, I've had the same mentors since sixth grade when I started. And so I've been doing it for five years now. And um, we just meet pretty much every week and talk about what's going on recently. And how did you get started? Um, my mom originally just like signed me up when I was going into sixth grade. Okay. Didn't really know what it was about, but then I started to like it. Okay, so you decided to keep it up even in high school. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Rod? Well, my wife Gail and I were Soul Seeker sponsors, and after uh, we finished that, we were looking for something else. We really enjoyed working with youth, so we started um, mentoring at Central Middle School. And so I'm working with my uh, third mentee. He's a freshman at Millard South, and I've okay. been working for, what, 15 years now. Yeah, so what's it like? What do, you, what do you do? I mean, how often do you meet? Where do you meet? I mean, what's, what do you do? Um, at Millard West, we either meet in the library or in the counseling office because they have a bunch of tables. And it's, uh, for me, it's every Monday at lunch. Okay. And we just talk about, like, what's going on, a lot, a lot about sports. Yeah. And um, if, like, maybe sometimes, like, my grades and stuff. Yeah, so how's sports going? Uh, they're good. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> what, and what about you, Rod? What's... Well, we, um, you know, we started out when he was younger. We played a lot of board games, um, okay. worked on um, homework. You know, there are some things in math you know, he was struggling with, so we would work on, on homework. And now we, uh, we do a lot of uh, use our phones and play uh, little Internet trivia games. So okay. we just spend our time that way. You know, having both of you been through it, you know, you're in your fifth year and you've been doing it 15 years. What do you, what do you find is, over time, the real benefit? What do, you, what do you see happening that is beneficial out of it all? Um, it helps you sort of like develop an ability to see things from a different perspective okay. from you or your family. And it's just like another adult in your life that you can talk to about stuff. Yeah. Anything more? I just think just watching uh, a young person uh, grow and mature from a you know a child in grade school to a young adult in high school is pretty rewarding. Yeah, one of the things that we've decided here at Faith Westwood is we're going to be supportive of of teammates work. Uh, I've been a teammate mentor now I think in my fourth year, and um, so if if you are interested in learning more about it, even if you're just curious. Uh, we do have a little table set up right outside those doors, the center doors, and to your right in the foyer. And there'll be somebody standing there by the, by the table. There's some information you can pick up. 
If you want to uh, sign your name up to, to, uh, for a follow-up to possibly be a, a mentor or learn more about it, you can sign that up as well. I think we probably... How many of you are teammate mentors now? You are? And, uh, I, I would guess here, over here too, I'm guessing we have anywhere from 12 to 20 at, at least at our church. So um, anyway... Uh, Last question is, what would you all say to someone who's interested in the possibility of teammates either as a student or as a mentor? Um, I think it's good for pretty much anybody to do it because even if, like, you don't have anything that in big in your life that you need to talk about, it's nice just to talk to someone else that, like, isn't in, like, in your household really yeah. or about stuff just going on. Mm-hmm. I would just follow up with that, that it's, it's important work and you probably have more to offer than you realize mm-hmm. and uh, it's very rewarding. There's a lot of Kennys out there waiting to talk to you. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I remember from the training that they give us when, to be, when you, before you become a, a mentor is that the real value of it doesn't happen right away. The value happens in the consistency over a long period of time. That's when you really see the rewards come. And uh, so I think th- these two kind of are evidence of that. So anyway, thank you guys. Yeah, just pull those down. And that was... All right, well, today is the uh, second Sunday in our series, Hashtag Be Kind. Have you seen signs in everywhere about this? All the public schools and, and parochial schools as well in the Omaha area are, are on board to this year-long theme of uh, Be Kind. And, and one reason that we're doing this series is to be supportive of that. We think this is a good thing happening in our community. The other reason is that this is an opportunity for us to, to uh, share what Jesus taught about being kind and, and what the uh, early uh, believers in the first century were, were learning about being kind as a way of following Christ. Uh, if you missed last Sunday, I want to say I felt like last Sunday was an important beginning to this series, but you can, if you missed it, you can watch it online. You can go to our website or our Facebook page, or the way most people catch when they miss it is to, uh, go, is to use the Faith Westwood app. That's sort of the easiest way just to go right on and you're on it. We also have an audio podcast, which works great if you're, maybe you're in the car and just want to listen. Um, over the years, I've conducted an informal survey, and not, not so much in, in worship settings, but more in maybe class or group uh, settings. And the, the question I have is this. Which do you believe is more important to a marriage, communication or kindness? Yeah. Which do you, think is, which do you believe is more important in a marriage, communication or kindness? And why? So, I'm going to give you a minute uh, to turn to one or two people near you and just share what you, your response is. Obviously, you don't have to say anything if you don't want to, but, but I encourage you to give it a try and listen to others as they share and um, see, what you th- see what you think. Go.
Okay, what what did you think? Did you did you come up with an answer in in your own mind anyway? Uh, and obviously this is a little bit of a false choice because the two go together a lot of times, right? But how many of you would say uh, that communication is more important? Not some hands. How many of you would say kindness is more important? You know, that's probably pretty reflective of what I have gotten in years past. Uh, a, a larger majority uh, would say kindness is more important. And they've also expressed to me how, how destructive unkindness can be in the home. And, you know, you can say that you're madly in love with each other, but unless you show kindness to one another, there's not going to be much lasting love in your house. Uh, my informal survey is supported by the work of uh, the America's top marriage researcher, Dr. John Gottman. Maybe some of you have read uh, his books. At the University of Washington, he, they created this, this lab which looks like a kind of a really nice bed and breakfast. And uh, they, they put the couples, they've invited, uh, one, in one study they invited 130 couples to come, one at a time obviously, uh, to, to this, and they, the, the researchers, Gottman and the other researchers, would be behind this two-way mirror observing, and the, and the, and the couples would just kind of go through their ordinary day, you know, just doing the things, you know, the cooking and the talking and the, the tasks that they had about today, and they would observe them, and of course the couples knew that that's what was happening, um, and uh, they, they noted when one person reached out in some small way to the other. According to the article, if, for example, one if the husband said to his wife, look at that beautiful bird out there. If the wife responded with kindness, for example, she might say, oh, come show it to me. Or she might say, hmm, describe it to me. Then that would be a response of kindness. Uh, or she can respond with, can't you see I'm reading? <laughs> Six years later, Gottman followed up on these 130 couples and found that most were still married, but some had divorced. Of those that were still married, uh, Gottman reviewed their day in the lab six years earlier and found that that day they had positively responded to each other's, what he calls bids, bids for connection, responded to their bids 87% of the time. Good job. Then Gottman turned uh, to those who had were divorced by then. Gottman looked back on their day in the lab uh, six years earlier and found that they had responded positively to each other's bids 33% of the time. Uh-oh. The more these newlyweds responded to each other's bids for connection with kindness, the more that likely they were to still be together six years later. 
Now, of course, today we're going to be looking at the, the, the value and the power of kindness that it brings to all our relationships, not just marriages. But the same principles apply, don't they? Now, the Christ followers in the first century, they had a lot to learn about kindness. Many of them grew up worshiping the Greek and Roman gods, and, and they were never characterized as kind because they were seen as way too majestic. And kindness was seen as a sign of weakness. But the God of Jesus, the God of the Jews, uh, was often described as kind. And the early Christians learned that Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's kindness. I love this verse, Titus 3, verse 4. It starts out this way. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, and it's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the kindness, an expression of the kindness of God. And that was an easy for, connection for them to make because the words Christ and, kind, and kindness uh, sound similar. In Greek, the word kind is Christos. Uh, excuse me, the word Christ is Christos, and the word kind is Christos. Christos is the Christos of God. Let's open our Bibles, shall we? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the passage that Brian read for us a minute ago. On the Pew Bible, in the Pew Bible, it's on page 1152. And even we've heard this scripture a lot, right? At weddings, usually. Uh, but it's not really about marriage. It's about all of our relationships. And if you are new to Faith Westwood, and I know some of you are new here today, or relatively new, uh, if you don't have a Bible, just take the Bible home. You can have it. You can keep it. We'd love for you to have it. You'll have a Bible to read at home now. In verses 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul is trying to get across this message. Here it is. A Christian without love is spiritually bankrupt. One of my regrets uh, in life is that I never learned another, to speak another language. I always wish, I mean, it would have been great if I had. I should have started in high school, but I didn't. Um, and although this isn't really related to that, but I also don't have the gift of speaking in tongues, although I've had a number of friends who have that gift, and I've prayed with them. And, uh, but whatever comes out of your mouth, if it's not coming out of love, it's nothing but noise. And that's what the message is in verse 1. See that? If I speak in the tongues of men or women... Or of angels, but do not have love. What? I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Verse 2 talks about prophecy and faith to do miracles. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, psh, I'm nothing. You can have all kinds of Bible knowledge. Without love, what does that count for? Zilch. You, you may see miracles in answer to your prayers. When, when love is gone, it's nothing but an empty shell. A Christian without love is spiritually bankrupt. And verse 3 talks about ultimate sacrifice and dedication. Um, if I give all I possess to the poor, 
I'm that sacrificial and dedicated. And if I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, what do I gain? Nothing. You can go for a month-long mission trip to North Carolina to help the flood victims after Hurricane Florence, but if you are rude to the other team members, if you are condescending to those you are there to serve, you should have stayed home. You know what I'm saying? So let's say this together, shall we? A Christian without love is spiritually bankrupt. You know, when I first came to this church a little over eight years ago, didn't take very long to be, for me to see the signs that there's a lot of love here. And I remember the day, maybe a couple of years later, and, and the, the room was empty, but I was up in the balcony praying, and a thought came into my head that I can't really say for sure, but it seemed to me that it was coming from God. And that thought was, I've put a lot of love in this church. That was God's message to me. I, Steve, I put a lot of love in, in this church. Do you believe that? you believe that God has put a lot of love in this church? And what is love? Well, we get a little more definition about it, what it is and isn't here in, in the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but it starts with this in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. And and that's really the heart of the message, especially love is kind. But let's say these, these words, you just see them on the screen, and you say the words in yellow, okay, with me. Love is patient. Love is kind. When I first went to college, uh, it was great. I mean, I, I guess I just kind of loved the freedom, and uh, I felt like I was a fish put in water for the first time. I go, oh, this is what I was made for, you know. And, uh, but by my second semester, I was really finding myself falling into depression. And a lot of it was because I felt like my life with Jesus was drying up. And that had become very important to me because I had a... a, a an encounter with Christ when I was 16, and, and that was a huge part of my identity, and now it just seemed like, where is it all going? I didn't know what to do. And so one Friday night in the spring, I think it might have been about April or so, I, I, I wrote my roommate a note explaining that I was going to bed early and that I was going to set my alarm, so just so he'd know, set my alarm early so I could get up while it was still dark and go out for a walk and watch the sunrise. And I knew that when my roommate saw that note, he would, he would realize something is seriously wrong. Because, uh, you know, back at, that was back in the time when getting up early was not easy for me. Um, during my college years, I had roommates who would sometimes, to make people laugh, they would do impressions of me trying to get up in the morning, you know. Anyway, um, I, I turned out all the lights except the, the, the desk lamp at my roommate's desk. And that's where I left the note. And I wasn't quite asleep when I heard the door open. And I heard him walk in. And I kind of could tell that he picked up the paper, but I just pretended like I just faked it, you know. <laughs> the next morning, of course, the alarm went sounding off and and um, I shut it off quickly so I wouldn't disturb him and I started to get dressed and then 
to my surprise, he got up. And he started to get dressed. And he looked up at me and he said, Mind if I go along? And I said, If you want. And the two of us walked for, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half. Just no particular direction or destination. We were just out walking, and it was, it was all quiet. Uh, and, and, and I silently was just pouring out my grief to God. What's going on here? God, are you still with me? Jesus, are you still in my life? And somehow by the end of that walk, things seemed different. I'm not going to say that they were <laughs> completely better, but there was hope that my life in Jesus had not died and was not going to die. And part of that hope came from knowing that I was not alone. It came from one simple act of kindness. Love is kind. You know, we live in a world where, you know, I would, for all purposes, it seems that, that kindness is becoming scarce. Would you agree? There's maybe less and less kindness around us. Uh, I've heard people say that the worst part of Facebook is all the political nastiness that they read. And, and, and when it comes from people in their own church, it makes them feel like they are no longer welcome here. Did you know that? What you post on social media, people take personally. If you ridicule uh, the person they voted for, they take it personally like you're ridiculing them. If you slam their political party, they take it personally as if it's a slam to them. So if we're going to be kind on social media, here's where it has to begin. <clears throat> Kindness means showing respect to those who disagree with me Trusting that they have honorable reasons for their beliefs. Now, I may have a hard time imagining what those honorable reasons are, but I have to trust that they have them. And that's something that we pastors have to learn when we go to conflict, because sometimes we disagree bitterly over things. But we have to treat each other with kindness and respect, honoring that people have good reasons for what they believe. So let's say it together, shall we? Kindness means showing respect to those who disagree with me, trusting that they have honorable reasons for their beliefs. So, pick any of today's controversies. Same-sex marriage, immigration enforcement, Supreme Court hearings, death penalty, abortion, the start of the Husker season. Every post you make on social media, would you say the same words face-to-face -to, -face to every single person who would receive, who you friend on, on social media? Would you say those words face-to-face -face with them? Would you make that same snarky remark to your grandma or your grandchild? If not, don't post it. It's a lot easier to be cruel when all you have is a, is a screen in front of you rather than a real live person. Um, it's like typing a letter when you're angry. You know what they say, right? If you're angry and you type a letter, you better not send it. Sleep on it. Come back the next morning and look at it. You'll probably throw it away. 
Write a new letter if you write one at all. Now, social media is even bigger because you may send it, and it's not just going to one person, it's going to hundreds of people. Better rewrite that comment the next morning or not post it at all. Kindness means showing respect to those who disagree with me, trusting that they have honorable reasons for their beliefs. I've got a friend that I follow on Twitter. Uh, she's an attorney. And she goes to, she's invited to go to schools all over Nebraska to speak about social media to students. And of course, she can talk about the law related to social media, but she also shares a lot of the research about it. Recently, she posted a study where uh, teens say that they now don't value face-to-face -face communication as much as they used to because of now all the time they spend on social media. They don't value face-to-face -face communication nearly as much because of all the time they spend now on social media. They, that's what these teens, teens are saying. And here's my theory. The less we practice face-to-face -face communication, the less kind we will be. Do you believe that might be true? The less, the less practice, the less we practice face-to-face -face communication, the less kind we will be. You know, I think that's one reason it's great to be a church. Because, you know, it's all about the face-to-face. -face. I mean, we send stuff out, sure, communications, but church is all about face-to-face. And, and that's one reason why we've invested heavily in our groups. We call them faith groups. I think we've got 26 of them now. We're always trying to start another one. <laughs> this is an opportunity to have some face-to-face -face time. We're really invested in that. And I would encourage you to, to look into it. And it just so happens, and I didn't really plan this for today, but today, after worship, we have a lunch for people who are interested to learn more about groups. If you're not in a group, you just want to find out more about it, what there is, what's available, what, my op what your options are, we've got a free lunch for you today, and you can just spend an hour with us or so and, and learn more about that. And that's going to be upstairs at the end of the hall on the other end of the building. It's, it's fairly easy to get to, but if you need to know where the student ministry room is, just ask almost anybody, and they'll take you there. Okay, and um, so just, just go, just show up. You don't have to have RSVP'd or anything, just show up, and it'll all work out fine. Because our faith groups, I mean, this is where we learn to love one another, right? And if you get to know each other long enough, you're going to irritate each other, so that's when you really learn how to love one another. That's when you really learn how to, to practice kindness with one another. And this is where, this is where being with each other keeps our relationship with, with Christ from drying up. Which is easy to do if you're just trying to do it all on your own. These groups are where we move forward as deep, daring, daily disciples. I want to tell you, you your, your ability to move forward as a deep, daring, daily disciple, the biggest opportunity is not here on Sunday morning. It helps. Your biggest opportunity is in those face-to-face -face groups, those faith groups. So 
If you're not, if you're not in one, you want to learn more about it, check it out, even if you're not ready right now, but you might be in the future. I encourage you to go and just sit in on the lunch today. Now, I want to end by asking you, have you experienced the kindness of God? Have you experienced personally the kindness of God? And maybe you've been coming to a church a long time and it just feels like, man, I just go to church, I just go through the motions, there's, there's not any love in it, there's not any life in it, there's not any joy in it. And, and maybe you've been personally holding back because, you know, I don't really want to take Jesus too seriously. I don't want to let him get that close to me. Uh, he might, you know, if I do, he might even want me to give some things up and change some things in my life. And yeah, he probably will. But if you don't get personal with Jesus, you run the risk that, that something deep in you, something really big and important in you, your soul is going to dry up. And you're going to become less and less the person that you were meant to be. Jesus stands beside you even right now. I believe he's whispering in your heart saying things like, come walk with me. You know, let, let's have a brand new beginning. I can help you do that. Let's have a brand new beginning in life and all of your sins and all of your selfishness and all of your unkindness. I already took it with me on the cross. You don't have to carry it anymore. I am here for you. All you have to do is open the door. So, now is your time. Now is your time to open the door. Now is your time to say, Jesus, oh, thank you so much for your kindness. I never knew. <laughs> thank you for your forgiveness. And, and so, Lord, if, if you're willing to take me, I'm all yours. And if you're, if you're willing to walk with me through life, I'll walk with you. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's get started. Set me free, Lord, from all the things that have been holding me back and binding me up. Set me free and make me yours. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have come to bring us the kindness of God. You have come to live it and demonstrate it and, and to transform us to be more like you. And so, Lord, we ask that you will uh, receive us as we open the door and we say, Lord, oh, I want to receive you and your kindness. And so all that I am, Lord, I give it to you. And Jesus, if you promise to walk with me, I'm going to promise to walk with you every day. So, Lord, we, we thank you so much for that promise, for that uh, hope in our lives and, uh, Lord, we're saying yes to it. We're opening the door, and we're walking in. We're walking through that door. We pray in, in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord for his love. Your love, oh Lord, 
reaches to the heavens Your faithfulness stretches to the sky Your righteousness is like mighty mountains Let's start it over. Let's Thank you. Again. You can't pay him enough. <laughs> That's going to be way too high. Your love, love reaches to the heavens Your faithfulness stretches to the sky